Arizona, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, brought to you by Collins Comfort, AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. Before we get you caught up on the Suns and the Diamondbacks and the latest Cardinals draft rumors with the draft just a few days away, but we start today's 4 o'clock reset with the big news nationally in sports, and that's the New York Jets and the Green Bay Packers are finalizing a deal to send four-time MVP Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Green Bay gets the 13th pick, the 42nd pick. Um, They get a conditional second-round pick. If Rodgers plays in 65% of the plays, New York gets the 15th pick in Aaron Rodgers. Finally, Aaron Rodgers traded to the New York Jets. His career is over. And, yeah, I don't think it's his uh, – if, if it ends up being a first-round pick, I mean, I think that's probably fair value for him. Um, but, man, it's, it's, it's incredible how long that took for that deal to get done. And then I just keep thinking back that legendary Packer Brett Favre went to the Jets' end of his career. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets' end of his career. But, you know, for the Packers, they rid themselves of that contract. He was he was guaranteed to make $59.1 million. The Packers are now off the hook on that $59 million. Bucks. We can count on Aaron Rodgers being a member of the Minnesota Vikings sometime next yeah, year. Yeah, he'll leave there and go to the Vikings. <laughs> all of the power quarterbacks, all of the best quarterbacks are now in the AFC. There are three active quarterbacks that have won MVP in this league, all three in the AFC. There are six active quarterbacks that have been named an All-Pro. Five of the six are in the AFC. AFC's loaded. Goes to show you how hard it is to finish your career with one team. What Fitz did here, doesn't it? Yes. It goes to show you how hard it is. This guy's played his whole career. He's 38, 39 years old with one team, and now he's going to go play somewhere else. It is crazy. Hard to to do. Draft is three days away, and for the Cardinals, it's been an interesting day and weekend of rumors and stories as we get closer to them. Currently having the third pick in the NFL draft on Thursday. That could change. Albert Breer said today that Ohio State offensive lineman Paris Johnson could go in the top three. ESPN's Mike Garofolo added that... would he have to change his? Would he, could he just bring his Ohio State uniform here? <laughs> if they it's took done. him, could they? Could he just like, hey, can hey, I just look, bring my own uniform? Cardinals are like, you know, it looks exactly it's the same. same. Oh, like yeah, nobody's gonna just, know. Just bring your Ohio fine for it. Nobody's gonna know. Mike Garofolo added, "Word is Kyler Murray likes Paris Johnson a lot, and has let that be known inside the building." Um, so the offensive line talk. Now McShay, on the other hand, mentioned the Cardinals trading down, but he specifically talked about the Northwestern offensive lineman Peter Skaron. Peter Skorowski, who, you know, real, was a great player in college for Northwestern this year. Some people think he may end up moving to guard. He doesn't have the longest arms, which a lot of people like at the tackle spot. But he was great. I mean, as far as, like, you go look at his numbers and his metrics and everything, he was a great offensive tackle for Northwestern. Meanwhile, I don't know how much of a controversy this is, because not that many people seem upset about it. But Pro Football Talks Mike Florio apparently is. Some around the NFL, he said, were happy when Arizona's brass, including Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austinfort, attended Kyler Murray statue unveiling at Oklahoma instead of staying at home and preparing for the draft. Maybe it's generational. Maybe I'm just talking to the older guard, but some people I talked to were happy that this happened because it's all one big competition. The people who were locked in all weekend long, they just kind of smile and nod when they hear something like this. That was Florio this morning with Bickley and Murata. I know we're going to talk about it at 4.30 um 
and I'll give you my give you more of my opinions there. But I think it's pretty cool that Kyle had a statue unveiled in, of himself in Oklahoma. Shows you what he did there, yeah. right? For him to get his own statue doesn't seem like the type of story worth worrying a whole lot about. But we will talk about that a little bit later. The Cardinals' 2023 NFL Draft Party, presented by your Arizona Ford dealers, will take place on Thursday, April 27th. The Great Lawn outside of State Farm Stadium from four until nine, and we will be there doing the Burns and Gambo show. Big weekend in the NBA. Of course, we started it on Saturday with the Phoenix Suns. Their win over the Clippers behind another Devin Booker second-half masterclass. Another 30-point game for Kevin Durant. And Chris Paul was huge in the fourth quarter. 12 of his 19 in that fourth quarter. It was a fourth-quarter takeover for Chris Paul in that win against the Clippers. He was sensational in that game. He, re- he really was. I mean, he hit the two three-pointers, so he's able to knock those down. He made some great passes. And then that play everybody's still talking about is that rebound of the Torrey Craig miss along the baseline, not realizing that the shot clock reset, trying to get it up. He does. It's a prayer. It's a floater. And it goes in. Put the Suns up by a, by 13 at that point. And for all intent and purposes, that game was over. All right, here's the rest of the NBA. And of course, game five in that series is coming up tomorrow night at Footprint Center. The Suns win. They advance to the Western Conference semis, where presumably they'll play Denver. We'll get to Denver's series in just a minute. Out East, Philadelphia swept the Brooklyn Nets, but Joel Embiid's status for round two is now uncertain with a sprained right knee. They would presumably play Boston, and as you mentioned a couple of segments ago, Cam Johnson is now officially a restricted free agent for the yeah, Brooklyn Nets. restricted free agent, and there's a lot of rumors now that he could fit the timeline of a young cap space team. Houston's mentioned, Orlando, Utah, Oklahoma City, San Antonio. Projected offer sheet could start in the four-year, 80 to 90 million dollar range. So the Nets really like them, and they do have about $10 million in cap space. They're projected to be about $10 million below next year's luxury tax line. So would they bring him back, or does he go somewhere else? Milwaukee got their first win over the Heat, 121-99 behind Chris Middleton's 23 points, but the Miami Heat still lead that series two games to one. Game four in that series is coming up tonight. Yeah, uh, Victor Oladipo, had got, he got helped off the court, court after falling during a layup and uh, when Miami won game three, 121 to 199, significant injury for Oladipo. So that's, uh, you know, that knee's been bad for him. He's a two-time all-star and, you know, a good player for them. So that's a tough loss for Miami. The Lakers beat the Grizzlies 111-101 to take a two-game-to-one lead. John Morant had 45, but it wasn't enough. Dylan Brooks complained about being labeled a villain by the media postgame. He was ejected that game for hitting LeBron James in the groin. Yeah, hit him in the groin. The jaw game was just not just the 45 points. He had 13 assists. He had nine rebounds. He's six of ten from three-point range. He's the only player in Grizzlies history with 40 plus, 45 plus points in a playoff game. And this is the third time he did it. He was special. But what a slow start for Memphis. Only nine points in the first quarter. That did them in. And of course, Dylan Brooks bringing all that attention on himself, arguing with LeBron. And the Lakers look poised to take out the Grizzlies. On Sunday, the Knicks took a three games to one lead over the Cavs. Jalen Brunson had 29. RJ Barrett had 26. Man. That series could be over on Wednesday in Game 5. I keep looking at that series and wondering, what the hell did Dallas do? 
What did you do for Jalen Brunson? Well, Why did you not my keep God, him? God, he's so good. He's been really good. Nick's defense was incredible in that game. R.J. Barrett stepped up big time um, for them. So the Knicks, they're going to play a, a chance to win a series for the first time since 2013. Yep. 2013. Wow. Boston went up 3-1 on the Hawks. Trey Young and Jason Tatum traded 30-point performances. That's a 3-1 lead for the Boston Celtics. They can wrap up that series this week. Out West, Golden State squeaked by Sacramento 126-125. Harrison Barnes missed a potential game-winning three. And now reports the Kings guard De'Aaron Fox has suffered a fractured index finger on his shooting hand, his left hand. He might play through it. We're not sure at this point. Game five is on Wednesday. In They're in series. trouble if he, if he can't play. It's up to his level. Sabonis hasn't been scoring. Kevin Ward has made only three of his last 21 three-point attempts. Keegan Murray's not playing very well right now. Harrison Bond shot three of 11 on Sunday. They can't win without the Aaron Fox. And then the Timberwolves answered the Suns fans' wishes. They took a game off the number one seed Denver Nuggets, 114-108 in overtime. Jokic had 43. Anthony Edwards was awesome with 34. He was. I mean, you know, Denver was looking to it. They played for pride. I mean, you know, Edwards talked about how, you know, they, they didn't want to get swept. They didn't want to be a team that got swept. So they came out and they played hard. Nuggets made an incredible run uh, to send it into overtime. And then Minnesota got some big bastards, baskets by Alexander Walker uh, in overtime. A couple of big threes to help them uh, stave off elimination. And then two quick notes from the NBA. The Rockets are reportedly planning on hiring former Celtics head coach Ime Odoka. The Rockets are. The Rockets are. are. Mm-hmm. Why, why didn't, we, we, didn't we think that was going to be Toronto? We thought he was going to Toronto. Okay. Apparently the Rockets swooped in and got him. And your most improved player of the year in the NBA, Larry Markkinen was named that just oh, moments okay. ago. Utah Jazz. Diamondbacks. Former U of A star. Indeed. Diamondbacks dropped a series over the weekend of the Padres losing three of four. The walks were a real problem for Diamondback starters on Saturday yeah, and Sunday. Yeah. Dre Jamison and Merrill Kelly really struggled with the free passes all weekend long. No, there's no doubt. I was at that game with uh, with Merrill Kelly on Saturday and you know, I just struggled. Left with the bases loaded and had the lead, but obviously they weren't able to hold it. Jamison Man, he couldn't locate that fastball at all. So um, he and he's struggling with the, with the uh, to get swings and misses. So forty three first. Uh, 43 pitch first inning, three walks, three hits, and he was sent down today. I know you get to that in a second. And then, you know, Kelly, you go back to Saturday, Kelly just really struggled with his command as well. And so that's what that's why the Diamondbacks lost those two games to the Padres. Yeah, Dre Jamison was sent down. Tommy Henry was called up so that he could start. Technically, the Diamondbacks do not need a fifth starter until around May 9th or so. They have a lot of off days coming up. So they can play with the schedule a little bit. That's why Jameson was sent down for Tommy right. Henry tonight's starter. The Royals in town for the first of three this and evening. And they are bad. Yeah, they are very they bad. Hit. Tommy Henry is on the bump. That game starts at 640. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports. And that is your 4 o'clock reset here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, headed to State Farm Stadium. A special guest, The Strokes, on May 14th. You can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, we'll go back to the Suns. Up three games to one over the L.A. Clippers. Devin Booker, yeah, he played great offensively again. It's his defense that continues to open eyes around the league. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers. Now. 112 to 100. The Suns win on Saturday afternoon to go up a commanding three games to one in this series. Game five is tomorrow night at Footprint Center. Game six, if necessary, would be in L.A. on Thursday. I mentioned this earlier. I'll mention it again. The NBA sent out a release today. Should Denver and Phoenix both win tomorrow night? Denver takes on Minnesota. The Suns take on the Clippers. Should they both win tomorrow night in advance to play each other in the Western Conference semis? That series will start on April 29th. That is Saturday, for what it's worth. So Saturday would be game one between the Suns and Denver. Should either of those teams finish in six or seven games, either the Suns or Denver or, I guess, Minnesota and the Clippers, if you want to be optimistic, then that series wouldn't start on until May 1st, which is a week from today. So potentially, potentially, and I know there's a long shot for this to happen, should the Suns win tomorrow and Denver lose... The Suns would literally have just about a whole week off before they yeah. play again. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to. It's probably not going to happen. Denver at home against Minnesota, um, and I don't want to you know put it down in the books for the Suns to win either. But there's at least an avenue where the Suns are able to get a crap ton of rest before they would play the Denver Nuggets. Look when they when the Suns lost Game One against the Clippers, at that point you were looking at a long series. Long series is six or seven. Short series is four or five. So when they lost Game One, you thought it was going to be a longer series. You thought, okay, I mean they're probably going to. Go six. I mean, can't imagine the Clippers lose both at home. But then Kawhi went down to join Paul George, and it seemed possible that the Suns could win those games. Well, harder than they probably needed to be, but they they still still won. So now the Suns are on the verge of closing this thing out tomorrow and making it a short five game series. No matter how hard the minutes were and how hard the games were, if they they might be able to get rid of them in five games and, and avoid a sixth and seventh game and potentially. And of course, we would all want to see that with the number of minutes that the starters have played for the Suns. It's been we mentioned this earlier in the show. It's been a hard series. I mean, even if they wrap this up in five, it's been a grindy five and it's been a hard five. And the Suns have, frankly, at times, the Clippers have gotten a lot of shots that you would be surprised to see them get against the Phoenix Suns. And I'm kind of using this as a kickoff for a conversation about the Suns' defense and how they've played so far. There was a story from our friends at Bright Side of the Sun today about the drives to the rim and how many of the Suns have given up. And then and on the other hand, Gambo, I've got some information about Devin Booker that suggests that individually he's played some of the best defense we've ever I seen know, him play in his life right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, we've kind of noticed that, right? We've noticed when you when you look at Booker's games, and you had a you had the numbers today with the steals and the blocks and the defense and how well he's been playing, and you just you know, the Suns overall are not playing good defense. They're not, but those the, the numbers from but Devin Booker's not part of that. He's part of the problem. He's not he's, he's not part of the problem. He's part of the solution. Here are the numbers that uh, I was referring to that, that I sent you earlier. Devin Booker's defense for the first round. Right now, he leads the league in steals per game, averaging nearly three per game. 2.8. He is averaging 1.3 blocks per game. Opponents are shooting 39.5% against him overall, and he has defended more shots than anybody else in the NBA so far. Monty Williams was asked today about whether he saw Booker becoming the defender he has become. Yeah, I mean, if you if you talk to these guys, when I first got here, it was one of the things that I, I talked about was his ability to compete on the ball. 
and pick and roll coverages. The way he got over screens, the way he battled if it was a late switch situation, and he didn't duck a matchup. He's been great. Now, some of these numbers with the defense just blow me away, and this one did. Per NBA.com stats, the Clippers are second. They're second among the 16 teams in drives per game, right? Most of their baskets, a lot of them in drives. 51 in the first round, tied with the Nets just behind the Hawks. What do those teams have in common? They're not winning. Drives don't equal wins, as the top four teams in drives in these playoffs are 2, two and 12 collectively, while the bottom five teams are 12 and 4. But it said, but it's maddening to see average guards break down the Sun's perimeter defenders with such ease. This story in Bright Side of the Sun that talks about, you know, the problem that the Suns are having is that their defense has been underperforming and they posted the fourth best offense but uh, uh, so far among the 16 playoff teams, but it's their defense that's really hurting them because their defense is not playing very well. Giving up a lot of points, giving up a lot of drives to the basket, so it's the really knock on the, on the defense. I mean, the Clippers scored 124 you know, in, in one game, so they're really going over how the Suns were seventh best in the regular season, but now in the playoffs, 16 teams, they're ninth. Mm-hmm. Ninth in the playoffs out of the 16 teams defensively. You know what? I I hear those numbers, and all I could think about when you were talking, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. Broke him down, breaks him down. Yeah, and not that it's it's all him. Um, And and yeah, yesterday the Suns held him to, or Saturday, I keep thinking it's yesterday, 101 points. I think they did better defensively overall. Russell Westbrook's ability to get to the basket in this series has been constant. I mean, it's just, it, it feels like it's been every single game. Now, game one, he obviously didn't shoot very well. He was 3 of 19. He impacted the game other ways. But ever since Kawhi has gone out in this series and it has become literally the Russell Westbrook show, I would agree with you that defensively the Suns have had a Westbrook problem and they've had a Russell Westbrook going to the rim problem. And I, I, I don't know if anything's going to fix that other than eliminating the L.A. Clippers as soon as you possibly can, because Westbrook is just so good at it, and he's so physical at it, and how he hasn't gotten calls like the Suns have, how he didn't go to the free throw line one time yesterday is kind of difficult to comprehend, and I, I, I tell you, I think, honestly, Gambo, that's why Josh Okogie's been playing the minutes that he has off the bench. You know, we're accustomed to see him starting. Try to get on a guard and I try think, to stop I think the drive. Monty's trying to make some sort of defensive adjustment to see if Okogie can slow down Westbrook. Well, it didn't really work yesterday. This is a rim protector, but DeAndre's never been a real rim protector, no, right? He's not he a hasn't. shot blocker. No. And, you know, it's one of the things they say. I mean, the plan for these teams, these plans, they, they plan to break down the Suns by attacking the paint. Try to finish at the rim, kick it out for a, for a jumper or a three. And, you know, the Suns, you know, you go back to last year, Luka drove to the basket. Brunson drove to the basket. So the Suns have really struggled with that. Like, that is the, you know, the way to attack the Suns is, you know, drive into the paint. DeAndre's not going to block a shot. And a lot of times, remember, the Suns are pretty good at fouling. They put you on a line a lot. So that's another reason, you know, they, I'm sure the, the graphs and stats will show the metrics. Uh, drive on the Suns. They'll foul you. You'll get to the free throw line. Yeah, although the, the free Didn't throws happen, the last yeah. couple of games, it's been so heavily skewed towards the Phoenix Suns in this series. I'm going to go back to Devin Booker and the defense that he's playing. Here's more money from today on Devin Booker taking on that defensive challenge. To see him taking on the challenge now is not surprising to me because I've seen it. Uh, for the last four years, and it, you know he'll get up, <laughs> he'll get upset with me sometimes when I do take him off. Uh, 
of a guy because he, he doesn't want to run from any matchup. Now, here's okay, so we keep talking about the minutes today, right? All the minutes the starters are playing. What did Chris Paul say after Saturday's game? He said, Look, not all minutes are created equal, right? Like sometimes I'm on the floor, Book's doing his thing, and I'll go three or four minutes where I'm not really doing a whole lot out there, and that's kind of a rest, right? Like I'm not working as hard as, a, as Book might. We kind of take turns. That is the one thing about all the minutes that Devin Booker's playing. I mean, not only is he playing heavy minutes and he's contributing offensively the way he has, he's doing the two-way thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so far, he's been a live wire. There, there have been no signs of fatigue in his game at all. But with him playing so many minutes and so many two-way minutes and doing it at such a level, that is one of those, again, reminders. It'd be nice to get this series done as soon as possibly you possibly can because Booker could use a blow, but I'm didn't sure. He, didn't he welcome the rest? He did. After this last game, didn't he kind of welcome the extra break? He was talking to Tom and Tom Saturday on Bally Sports Arizona, their postgame show, and they made a joke about getting that extra day, and, and Devin Booker joked right back, yeah, we need it, or, or I need it, we need it. it it's, it'll be good to get an extra day in there. I'm sh- Look, I'm sure they're putting on a brave face about the minutes. I'm sure they're tired. I'm sure after going four games, rapid-fire fashion, virtually no break between Game 3 and Game 4, playing at the high level that Devin Booker's been playing at at both ends of the floor, I'm sure he's a little gassed. I think, one, I think they're doing it because they have to. They have to. They yes. have to. Like They believe that the best way to win a championship is these guys play all these minutes. And the other reason they're doing it is because they're not getting anything out of their bench. When we come back, right after you text us your thoughts on the Suns to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now, it would very much seem the Cardinals are invested in Kyler Murray. Just look at what they did this weekend in Norman, Oklahoma. But does that automatically rule them out of trading for a veteran quarterback? We'll explore that possibility coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Gambo, your choice. The Ryan Tannehill suggestion or the crew in Norman, Oklahoma? What do you want to start this segment with? Your call. Let's get the crew in Norman, Oklahoma over with first. <laughs> like like, like eating your broccoli? Let's, let's <laughs> like move eat, that on. Eating, eating your vegetables so you can have your dessert sort of thing? You um, can't have any pudding if you don't eat your meat. If you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. If you, How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? This is true. Um, I... I, I I was really genuinely surprised that this was a thing. And best I can tell, there Who aren't... Is this that, my, all Mike Florio? I can't find anybody else who's making a thing out of it. I, I really can't. When did he become grumpy old man? And, and, and I, look, I'm going to say this. I don't, know how, my lawn. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm a big fan of Mike Florio. I really am. Like I think his website yeah. is, is fantastic. And it's a great resource of information about what's going on in the NFL. I think he's good on NBC. I'm a, I'm a, really, I'm a really big fan of Mike Florio. I'm really surprised at the issue that he is taking with Monty Austin, Fort Drew Petzing, Israel Wolfert, Jonathan Gannon, uh, Connor Sanger, and then from the public relations department, um, Mark Dalton and Chris Melvin from the Arizona Cardinals. They all made the journey this weekend to Norman, Oklahoma for the unveiling of the Kyler Murray statue. Show support for one of their players. Sure, there's a nice picture of, of Kyler standing with JG and the coaches, and there's Monty, and there's our friends yeah. from the Cardinals public relations department, and they're all standing in front 
of the Kyler Trophy. That's great. What, it's a nice what, gesture. Yeah, what's not to like it's about this? It's a nice this, gesture. Right? That, that, that doesn't seem to be anything... There's no negative here. ...too wrong about that until you start reading the the tweets and the story from ProFootballTalk.com in which he kind of suggests that, hey, you should be working on the draft. Why aren't you working on the draft? Why aren't you holed up in an office what do you want to watching watch film and doing the draft not board? Sleep? He, Florio actually went on Bickley and Murata today, and he defended his criticism of the Cardinals. Here's what he said. I've talked to people around the league about this, and maybe it's generational. Maybe I'm just talking to the older guard, but I, I, some, some people I talked to were happy that this happened because it's all one big competition. And the people who were locked in all weekend long looking at fifth round, sixth round, seventh round prospects, studying film after film after film, they just kind of smile and nod when they hear something like this because it's all about the commitment you're willing to put in. It's all about how much of your personal life you're going to turn over to it. This is terrible. What about ter- what a terrible take by Mike Florio to say that they're not committed to like oh like to even reference like it's all about the time and the commitment you put in. Man, relax. Like the d- drafts in a week, they've done all their research, they've got their board set, they're still working. But to think, and, and here's the other thing, like. You know, do, do you think that they, you know, they can't have like meetings on the plane and discuss, hey, you know, while we're here, let's talk about that sixth round and whether we like that cornerback or that wide receiver more in case that pick comes up. Let's have a, you can't have a powwow and talk about those things when you're on the plane? Of course you can. Here's exactly what he wrote on the Pro Football Talk website. I didn't want to butcher this because, again, I have a lot of respect for Mike Florio and the work that they do over there at PFT. He wrote, quote, given the massive rebuild the Cardinals are facing, Austin Fort and Gannon skipping town for a trip to Norman doesn't create the best perception as to whether they're doing everything they possibly can to make the best possible decisions as they prepare to use or trade the eight picks the Cardinals have in the 2023 draft. Now, somebody, and I didn't confirm this, Mitch mentioned this, and I saw the tweet as well. Apparently, um, Pete Carroll was at a Kraken game this weekend, and who was the there was John Schneider. Mike McDaniel saw a Heat game. Kyle Shanahan was at the the Battle of the Bay Area. Is that a cracking yeah, game? Yeah. I mean, they got the fifth pick in the draft. How can he do that? Well, I, mean, it's, it, I mean, how can he not be studying 24-7? Come on. Right. Okay, so who else who was else? it? Mike McDaniel was at a Heat game? And then Shanahan what? was at Warriors-Kings. So Mike Kyle Mc... Shanahan was at... It, They're trying to win a Super Bowl I know, for the this Dolphins is egregious gambo. <laughs> I know, mean, everybody keeps talking about his Dan Marino's days in Miami. How could you be at a Heat game if you're Mike McDaniel's? I mean, everybody already looks at you and thinks that you're a seventh, a, a, a seventh grade science teacher. I mean, okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> First of all, that's funny. First of all, the flight from Phoenix, Arizona, Norman, Oklahoma is probably what? An hour and 45 minutes, right? I would imagine they're flying private. I would imagine they're on a chartered plane, which means to your point, if they want to work on the plane, they can. If they want to work on the plane coming mm. back, they can. Yeah, what are we talking about here? Two hours? I don't think that they were, I don't think they were on the American Airlines flight over there. Like, yeah. you know, well, I like, love American Airlines, but I don't think they were on that flight. We're like, hey, excuse me, can we switch seats? We got to go over something. JG's in 8F yeah. and hey, Bonnie's down there in 23D. Hey, I'll give you hey, my aisle seat for your middle because I want to sit next to him. Kinda, I'll give you my aisle seat for your middle. Come on. You can't pass up an aisle seat. What? This flight doesn't have Wi-Fi? How am I supposed to watch this video that I haven't watched yet in preparation for the NFL draft? Right? Ladies, stop kicking my chair. We're going over something very important here. <laughs> hey, can somebody tell that baby to be quiet? It, it's We're just, discussing things. It's just, uh, you know, and it's it's like, come on. So it's, it's, Come on, look. It's I, ridiculous. It's a really bad take by Mike Flo- And you're right, he does a very good job. This was a terrible, awful take. I, I, really, I really do like the website. 
website, mm-hmm. and I really do like the work they do. I just didn't understand it, especially when comparison to other NFL coaches who are basically taking a little time off this weekend. So, I mean, come on. These guys... In the NFL, they've been doing their jobs right. They've been grinding. They've been working. They've been preparing this draft every single day for the better part of the last two months. Yeah, right. That's exactly I mean, why the Buda Baker thing didn't get taken care of. You got to give yourself a break every now and then. It's okay. You can take a few hours off. It's all right. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to be the reason why you screw up the draft. Let's put it that way. You go really- to Norman, Oklahoma is going to be the reason why you screw up the draft. It's not silly. Right. Let's talk about this. I, uh, I hope Mike Florio does a lot. They're telling you, they, that sixth-round pick, they weren't prepared for that sixth-round pick because they were in Norman, Oklahoma. Mm, I don't like this pick. I hope mm-hmm. he doesn't I, go there. I haven't seen anybody else who has suggested the same thing, but whatever. Let's talk about this Ryan Tannehill thing. CBSSports.com was trying to come up with possible trade destinations for Ryan Tannehill, given that he might be on the block. And I'm not surprised that they mentioned the Arizona Cardinals. Not at all. Me either, but I I think that the Cardinals missed the boat already on the Jacoby Brissett type quarterback that we've talked so much about uh, that they really need to go get. I mean, maybe, but yeah, the fact that Ryan Tannehill, if Tennessee drafts a quarterback, which is very likely that they could move up in this draft and get one. I mean, they, you know, now if they're looking to move on from Tannehill, could you go get him? Now I'd have to look at his contract to see where he's at, and I don't really know about that. But you know, McCoy is going to be thirty-seven years old. He's coming off of an injury. I think Tannehill has this year, and then is it one more year left? I'm looking right now. I think that's what it is. Um, but you'll tell me in a second. But that's something you could look at. I mean, if that's a veteran quarterback that could come in here and help you win some games if you needed to go get one. So I'd be in favor of a guy like that if you want to try to win games. Uh, it looks like he's an unrestricted free agent in, yeah, this is the last year on his deal. It looks last like he's an unrestricted deal. free agent in 2024. Okay. What's he making, about $18 million a year? Uh, yeah, give or take. Okay. Yeah, give or take. Uh, but look, I, you spend a lot of money. When I say I'm not surprised, it's just because of Monty Austin for it. That's the main reason why I'm not surprised. I think that's a very easy dot connection to make between the Titans and the Cardinals. Is the, I mean, look, every every other mock draft right now has the Titans trading with the Arizona Cardinals at number yeah. three because of the Monty Austin Fort connection. So I think from that standpoint, and look, to your point about the ship has sailed for getting another veteran behind Kyler Murray, maybe all along they knew they wanted to get Ryan Tannehill or they could get Ryan Tannehill, and maybe that's why they didn't do anything in terms of a backup quarterback. I, I tend to think, this is my opinion, that there's not much to Ryan Tannehill coming here. That's just a writer somewhere connecting dots between Monty Austin Fort's former employer and his current employer and wondering if there's a fit. I, I, I think the Cardinals have made their bed when it comes to their quarterback situation, and I really doubt they're going to add to the room. Look, I'll be honest with you. It's not a terrible idea because if you... If you looked at Ryan Tannehill to say, look, you're the starter for until Kyler comes back. And then if you play well, look, we're interested in keeping you as the back. Because you can't, Colt McCoy's going to be too old. Like after this year, this is probably it for Colt McCoy. If Ryan Tannehill is your veteran backup quarterback to Kyler Murray, I got no issues with that. Now, some people may be like, oh, you want a similar quarterback? You don't need to have a similar quarterback. He doesn't have to have a guy to play like Kyler. There aren't many guys like that. So if you could like, and then the other thing is, I mean, could you imagine a trade in which the Titans send Ryan Tannehill and the 12th pick to the Cardinals for the third, for the, I mean, the 11th pick and Ryan Tannehill for um, the third pick and then maybe a player or two to kind of make the money work a little bit? I wonder if, that's crazy and it's hard to to do, but I don't think Ryan Tannehill is a, a stupid suggestion because, again, I could look at him stopgap guy until Kyla comes back 
and then a potential replacement for Colt McCoy as your backup. Yeah, I, I mean it's not it's not That's crazy. A lot less money. It's it's not it's not crazy. And this being the final year of his contract, maybe I mean you look at the Cardinals quarterback room, and it's not like you can put a bow on it and say it's done. It's Colt McCoy, Jeff Driscoll, and David Blau. You know, it's it's there's and while they've made additions, there's nobody there outside of Colt that makes you think, okay, they're covered, they're fine until Kyler Murray comes back. Maybe. I mean, it's a, it's a solid because the, we were all wondering if the Cardinals were going to get into this market, and they never did. Right. The Jacoby Brissett market. The, the, I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that um, were out Marcus there. Marcus Mariota was out there. Right. Um, um, Teddy Bridgewater was mm-hmm. out there. Teddy, is Teddy Bridgewater still out there? I don't think anybody signed him. Not that they're going to go get him. I'm just saying I don't you think anybody I don't, signed. I don't, I don't think, think anybody, anybody did. did. I might be wrong. I might have been missing somebody. So maybe all along they had the Ryan Tannehill thing in their back pocket. I, I, or maybe they're just somebody connecting dots between the Titans and the Cardinals because of Monty. I don't know. But interesting that the Cardinals were mentioned possibly as a destination. Yeah. And again, not to me, not crazy because I, I do think that you know after this year, I think after this year, maybe even this year, like if he wants to stay in the NFL, you're a backup now. You're yeah. not going to be a starter anymore. You can score the hottest ticket in town. Suns playoff tickets. Text the word tickets to 620-620. Get registered and then listen for your name today during the 5 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for Game 5 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. Again, text the word ticket to 620-620. Yes, they are winning these games. However, there is an area that the Suns have struggled in as a team. We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Burns and Gambo talk Suns Clippers now. And before we do that, let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. And for that, we turn it back over to our contributor, Eric Ruby, here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. What's good, Rubes? Well, we can deem the week before the NFL draft as smokescreen season and take it as you will. But the Cardinals have reportedly been linked to taking an offensive lineman pretty high in the draft. Or if you're Ron Wolfley, it's subterfuge season. My Basinonian brothers gather round. Right. Right. Oh, my right. God. Can both of you answer this poll question in your best wolf impressions, please? No. Fair enough. Anyway, so my question is, (laughs) if the Cardinals did stay at three overall, let's say they don't trade back and they ended up drafting an offensive lineman, would you feel good, meh, or bad about it? Terrible. Feel terrible about it? If they don't trade back? If they don't trade back, they stay at three and they they pick an O-line. I... I don't stay at three and take an offensive lineman. If you trade back and take an offensive lineman, all day. Let's talk. Yeah, but Let's offensive go. linemen but don't three. usually come in and play right away. You got to be so good. Like think about it, like if you draft Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Christian, those guys are going to play. Well, what's the push to play right away on a team that's going to win four games? I mean, I next get year? it, I get it. But offensive linemen, we, we, we're watching it with. Guys. It takes long to develop. It Look does. at Josh Jones. Like that guy, like how long does it take to? It takes a while to develop well, an offensive I mean, lineman. He was a third rounder. If you're talking about a first round pick who's number three overall, I mean, first of all, I don't Remember care. Knee he, deep. I don't care if he plays right away. He was the twenty fifth first rounder. Just a first round. Just, a first rounder. But look, the need for this guy to come in and play right away to me is not very pronounced at all. They're they're not going to be very good next year. It's just if two years from now you can look back on it and say we've got our franchise left tackle for the next ten years because we took him and we were at a low. 
point in our organizational timeline. Uh, but I don't. I don't want to do it at three. I just I, I, offensive lineman trade down. So I don't feel great about it. No. So both of you are in the bad category. That was in second place before. It still is, but the lead has shrunk to just a margin. So leading the way at thirty eight point seven percent, the people would feel meh about taking an offensive lineman with the third overall pick. At 36.9%, they'd feel bad and staying steady at 24.5%. Some people would feel good about them taking an offensive lineman. Alright, that is the poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. One word at Burns and Gambo is where you can find that on Twitter and get in on today's Twitter poll question. This is Monty Williams today and it's a shoot-around for the Phoenix Suns. Tomorrow is Game 5 between the Suns and the Clippers. The one thing the Suns have struggled to do so far this series, even though they're up three games to one, the first quarter. It's been a struggle. I just want to win the game. You know, if, they, if they win all first quarters and we win the game, I'm cool with that. Um, we're just trying to figure out ways to come out on top. Um, I think we've done a better job um, in the last two. Um, if Morris doesn't hit that shot off the glass from the side in the in the in game three we, we'd win that quarter by three so i'm really focused on starting well and obviously if you win the first quarter and win the game that's optimum but as long as we you know come on come out on top in the end i'm good with yeah i mean i get it i get it but against a clippers team with no paul george and no Kawhi leonard you fall behind, you're able to come back and make those deficits up. I mean, if against against better teams, are you going to be able to do that? We don't know the answer, but the answer it might be unlikely. Look, game one, they were down 30 to 18. They were down by 12. Game two, they were down by 5, 29-24. Game three was tied, and in game four, they were down by 7, 30-23. It's a slow start. Mm-hmm. It's something that they've been kind of notorious for this year is slow starts. You don't want to get too far behind the eight ball against better teams. Now, Against the Clippers, they've you know even though it's been a dogfight to the end, they've been able to overcome those sluggish starts and beat the Clippers because they just got more talent. They just got better players. The Suns could go on these runs and overcome those deficits against better teams that are better defensively and can still score. Are you going to be able to overcome those deficits all the time? Yeah, you know it's funny. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but there's there's no doubt. I got two thoughts when it comes to this first quarter thing. Number one, it's clear to me that the, the Suns are getting away with a few things here that they could only get away with against the Clippers because the Clippers don't have Kawhi and Paul George. The slow starts are one. The um, the bench play is another. Though it's been better, it still hasn't been great. And certainly the heavy minutes for the starters. You're able to do all these things because you're playing a Clipper team that's missing its two superstars and they're clearly bringing a knife to a gunfight as the saying goes. The other thing I gotta say about these slow starts, alright, I think this is Exhibit A, Your Honor, as to what the Suns are dealing with for a team that hasn't had a lot of time to gel. For a team that yeah. hasn't had a lot sure. of time for their guys to play a lot together. We'll figure it out as it goes along. I think those first quarter struggles are where you're seeing that. We're like, okay, it's the start of the game and everything's a little, eh, you know, everything's like, okay, who goes where and who does what? And we're going to talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Mitch found this great story about the early, you know, the, the struggles the Suns are having, you know, just in terms of where guys go and what guys are supposed to do and whether they're truly gelling or not. I think that inability to gel 
really reveals itself in the first quarter because it's just kind of obvious these guys aren't used to playing with each other. No, I think you're right. I think that's fair. I think that's really a fair criticism. And I think that they kind of figure it out as the game goes on because their basketball IQs just take over and their ability to to, to just play, right? And sometimes they say, we're just just balling, we're just playing. Like they figure it out on their own because they're that talented. They don't have the time together where they know each other that well. You know, Book and Paul do, but some of the other guys don't. I mean, look, even, you know, Josh Okogie, when he's out there, hasn't played a long time with the Phoenix Suns. This is his first year here. Yeah. So I do think some of it is kind of just figuring it out as you go along. First uh, field goal percentage by quarter. This is from uh, La Murray, who is the Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Suns yesterday shot 28% in the first quarter. After that, they went 50, 67, and 57% in the second, third, and fourth quarters. Of Damn. That game. 50, Give me those again. Okay. First quarter was 28%. Right. Second quarter was 50%. Third quarter was 67%. The fourth quarter was 57%. So that third quarter, and that third, that third quarters have been great. Look at the second half. I mean, this is. I think this was just for Game Four. This wasn't for the series. Um, but that second half on Saturday, sixty-seven percent in the third, fifty-seven percent in the fourth. Did they miss a shot in the second half of that game? That's figuring it out. That's like okay, our talent's going to take over. Our big three are just better than anything you've got. Right? Here they go. They're going to crush you. Yeah. They're going to take care of. Business. It's just. It's you know. It's it's almost like in the regular season when we said it's so hard to judge them because they're not playing anybody. They're playing Charlotte. They're playing... Uh, remember all the teams of San Antonio? All the teams that they ended up playing. What was the three? Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like their first three games of KD was Charlotte, Chicago, and Dallas. Okay, those teams are no good. So it was almost, and I think it, it's almost the same thing. Like, how do we properly judge the Suns when the only game the Clippers have played with one of their stars, they beat the Suns? It's, it's hard. A, it's, it's just hard. it's hard. It's hard. You um, tend to think that when they play somebody that's healthier and better, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder. And yet the Clippers do have a way of making it hard, even when they don't have their main guys. It's a credit to Ty Lue and Russell Westbrook's been out of his playing out of his mind. I mean, I get what you're saying. There, there's no doubt. There's it's a real talent judge. drain, and, and that makes it harder to judge against the Clippers. But I think Ty Lue is fantastic at taking what he's got and figuring out a way to make it work. Our own Kellen Olson. Suns Guru from ArizonaSports.com. You should follow him on Twitter at Kellen Olson, two L's in Kellen. Tweeted out moments ago, campaign has been upgraded to probable for game five tomorrow. All right, Suns upgraded him to probable. There you go. So we'll see. So he'll probably play in that game. Yeah, I would imagine that means he's going to play. Haven't heard anything official about Kawhi or Paul George. Seems unlikely at this point that they would play. I mean, you're probably like, why bother doing down 3-1? I, I know Ty Lue said earlier today that Kawhi was getting treatment. He didn't practice, but he got treatment. And he was asked, does getting treatment mean a good thing? He goes, I don't know. It's it's you know, read into it, whatever you want. He's getting treatment. He's not practicing. Um, Any can Campaign has played a total of 31 minutes in this month, which is about, you know, 31 minutes total. I can't imagine he'll get a lot of time tomorrow. He played three games in April. He played three April games, and he's played a total of 31 minutes this month. Yeah. Can't imagine he'll get a lot of time. We want to remind you the 5 o'clock hour is coming up, which means we're going to qualify another individual for Suns tickets to Game 5 on Tuesday. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. When we come back, Vintage Point God fourth quarter performance on Saturday. We'll dive deep next on Burns and Gambo.